Good afternoon, good evening, um, wherever you are in the world, it's um, another America episode, and um, our fellow punk, the greatest punk we have out of all the punks, um, apparently though, I like it, so her brain thinks in dimensions people cannot even dream in, um, <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> um no it was really great um we we had um susanna um brought us a lovely guest and um me and tim got to pick the brain of someone that um does really great stuff tim um how much should we give away uh, should we give away a lot you go underwater that's for sure um <laughs> for sure it's all about hydrogen yeah it's about hydrogen uh, as well and um <laughs> um i think it's it's also a little bit about uh you throwing stuff in the wrong bin <laughs> <laughs> as usual uh, so that's, I, that's I think especially of, um uh, kind of cryptic though but um, um I, <laughs> one of our colleagues our md actually vincent he will absolutely laugh at this part when he hears this podcast because yes sorry vincent i've i've been naughty again <laughs> um but yeah um no it's really great because we get to hear it from the, the the hyperscaler himself microsoft which is i mean everybody knows microsoft for the people that don't know microsoft then you never used a computer your entire life um so we speak with um Mark, who looks after the development in the data centers in Microsoft, and he speaks to us about of some of his projects and the awards he won. And yeah. of course, we I ask him about the Nautic, Nautica, Nautica, Nautica. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I ask him about that one as well because that was the one that interested me. Um, and he, I wanted to ask him, you know what, I forgot to ask him, I forgot to yeah. ask him if, um, Oh, I'm going to keep this for the outro, but I forgot to ask him yeah. because some people can listen to it. Well, actually, I, I wanted to ask him if you put a webcam on it so they could see if, like a little shark, a little Nemo loses his way and goes like, oh. Um, but yeah, we'll look it up, mate. a different story. Yeah, anyway. yeah so anyways, yeah. just to kind um, of give you an idea of who he is, Microsoft did this pledge of being carbon negative by 3030, so in less than 10 years. By now, it's less than 10 years because we're in Jan 2021. And the team driving this, uh, for 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 the most part, is is the team that Mark is leading at the moment. That's the kind of guest we have. And um, yeah, let's give it a go. Enjoy. So welcome back to another episode of the Uptime Punks. Uh, we were just speaking a little bit about minks and about some new strains and all of these things. And then, um, well, we have an old friend of ours back. Um, last time we spoke to her, she was shopping for her Christmas turkey. Um, Susanna, welcome back. Um, how did the turkey turn out at the end? Thank you, Paul. We actually devoured the whole thing, so I guess it was okay. <laughs> did you do you have like a secret uh, turkey recipe um you can pass on like the secret ingredients because some people always struggle they, they buy a really big one and by the end it comes out it's just tiny my my only secret that unique about my family preparation is the fact that instead of putting all these dry cornbread stuffings inside the turkey 
since I have a Chinese descent, we actually put the Chinese sticky rice inside. So oh, yeah, so after the cooking, at the end, all the juicy, wonderful juice that comes in, it got soaked into the sticky rice, and that is always a sold out from a from a stuffing perspective. So um, yes, I'm glad to share my recipe. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, and Susanna, you've brought you've brought a guest with you today. Um, yes. We're going to get to your guests in a bit, but maybe you can introduce already um, your guest who you have brought with you today. Well, I am with great privilege to introduce uh, industry legend and uh, industry luminary <laughs> in data center. His name is Mark Monroe. Uh, he is currently with Microsoft, but I would have to admit that um, his background need no introduction. Uh, not so much his name. I think it's probably more the achievement of his work and the inspiration and the authenticity of Mark, uh, personal passion has really elevated the industry to a very high level given his um, contribution to the industry for the past, I would say at least three decades, but I will not give his name away. I guess That's maybe true. we'll find out We'll find out about his uh, famous gadget when you ask him the question. And that's that's uh, more years than I'm on on, on Earth. That's yeah. true. There you go. There you go. We all we all can learn from somebody new like yourself, Tim. Um, so Mark currently now leads um, the I would say the strategic and the long term direction of Microsoft in the Advanced uh, Data Center Research Lab. Um, he and I got connected last year when it was absolutely privileged to uh, give him the award uh, of, his, of his work again and for the industry to move us forward. And I'll let him talk more about the award that he won and the journey that Microsoft and himself will be taking for the next generation sustainable data center, uh, Paul and Tim that we touched on around the November timeframe. So I thought it was wonderful to actually have Mark here uh, so we can talk to him directly. And then we also can have a live Q and A with him later on next week or something like that. Um, but indeed, Mark uh, need no introduction in the data center industry. He might be a little bit new uh, in the, I would say the UN sustainable development goal world. Uh, but since we are intersecting and uh, providing more, uh, many of the strategic design that he does in a more sustainable way. I thought it would be wonderful to kick off the year 2021 to have Mark here. So thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. And, and if you can survive a podcast with the Uptime Punks, you can survive anything in life. I'm looking great. forward to your annealing quality then. You know? <laughs> make me stronger. Make me stronger. Um, yeah, definitely. We'll try. Um, Susanna, so, um, so since, since we last caught, caught up in November, apart from the turkey, uh, which turned out delicious, what else is new at your end? Um, the, the rumor has it you're working on some really interesting projects, and um, maybe you want to tell the people out there a little bit more about what it is and what you're up to the past couple of weeks. Uh, thank you, Paul. Yes. Um, so we have unveiled a startup that was actually in stealth mode. It's called InfoPrime. Um, so I'm one of the co-founder, and I'm also one of the co-inventor. Uh, of a clean energy infrastructure um, specification that the European Union has selected last year. 
So you're going to hear more about it um, in the upcoming weeks uh, as we actually going to lead the kickoff. Um, it is absolutely a joy and a privilege to be continuing to working on the sustainable journey. And now what we are working on is what I call the commercialization phase. So let's not debate anymore after 2020 whether sustainability is going to take the backseat behind fighting COVID. Um, it's folks like Mark and his company. The ambition is stronger than ever. Um, we will fight COVID definitely and the vaccines is on site. But in addition, sustainability did not fall in the background. So hence, we thought it is a good timing to unveil the startup called InfraPrime uh, based in Switzerland in the startup. And uh, because one of the key things what we have done is take advantage of the time in 2020, uh, the European culture um, where you and Tim are presiding that we talked last time, uh, already have the culture of understanding uh, clean energy. Unlike the Americans, uh, we hope that January 20 is going to flip the new bit for us to restart, to revamp a clean, infra clean energy infrastructure, which I have to admit, sadly, that we have fallen behind in the last couple of years. Uh, but I think we, once we focus our mind, we're going to pick it up and go forward on it. And uh, we'll hear more about what Marx is going to say about what his company is going to do from a global perspective. But um, personally, for me, I think it's very exciting to work in a startup again and helping to drive uh, more sustainable systems because our approach is a little bit differently. Instead of just looking at sustainability in terms of a one-off uh, technology or one-off process, we look at that as the entire data center life cycle. And, um, and we need more sustainable system that need a new thinking from a systems approach. And that's basically what we're going to help our clients to do and hopefully continue to support clients like Microsoft and others. Oh, that's, that sounds a like a lot of work you've put uh, additionally on your plate with all the other things you do already. Uh, did you did you also manage to get a, a new gadget, maybe an additional one? Do you have a gadget which is your 2021 gadget? Yeah, I actually have two, but I um, the one that I have is actually um, a versatile door handle that actually okay. can that actually can open any public doors and actually oh. can open public restrooms without contact. Right. Right. And I thought that was actually very useful because it's very environmental friendly and it keep the distance and at the same time it actually does the job and you know and in that way i my hands would never be able to touch anything publicly if i don't really wanted to using this little gadget uh and then in addition to that i actually got a free demo uh I, i'll let you know next time when we talk again paul how it work it actually do um uh, a clean um complete uh, ultraviolet light cleansing of um, our smartphone because we touch it so much. And I think mm -hmm. the smartphone is one of the devices that we generally going to either leave our germs or pick up new ones. And uh, so someone gave me a little pouch and all you do is just like um, do a wireless reset button and it will completely basically use uh, the ultraviolet light, which is very friendly and be able to desensitize or de-bacterialize uh, any small gadget devices. And it's really more designed for a smartphone. And the company who's designed that is actually uh, giving out one for every developing country for the one that we also gonna buy. So I already put wow. that on the gift. Yeah, so I support, 
I support a developing country in the UN. So, um, so what's the name of the what's the name of the company? I mean, if they're doing something great, we can surely mention the name. Yes. Do you, do you know the name? Well, yes, I do. I'll send you the name of that. But since I got that from the UN, I'm, I, from an ethical perspective, I shouldn't be promoting any one particular company. Um, yeah. But I will share that with you. And it's up to you if you want to share that with your audience. But yeah, I thought that would be helpful to clean up the devices that we spend so much time touching. Yeah, that's that's it's actually quite a quite a useful gadget because if you think about it, this is something you can really put into use and something that you need every day. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, and I, okay. like, so I like the fact that they uh, donate a free one for everyone that we purchase. So that's, that's nice. Good. Definitely, especially in countries where people don't even own computers or laptops anymore, but everything's done on the phone. Is it true that it's already the case in in China or in large parts of China where you? Owning owning a computer is like just so 2020. <laughs> just as a little side note, is that true? Yeah, it, it's totally true, and I think Mark can share his story as well. I would say in the country that I visited in uh, South Africa, like in Kenya and whatnot, when they actually do all the microfinancing, and indeed, uh, the phone is actually the devices, right. and not not the pad, not the laptop. They haven't even have the privilege to actually own these uh, server computer that Mark and I used to get really excited about. We call it the we call it the pizza box, uh, which is when we were both working at Sun Microsystems. Uh, hmm. Yes, no, indeed. I, I think the phone, the smartphone is basically the device that people live on. And that's the only one they really need, actually. Yeah. Well, you have your whole life in it. Well, people realize what uh, how much you depend on it once it breaks and you need uh, you don't or have you it. Lose yeah, if oh, if you lose it. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, then um, coming immediately to the question, Mark, what was your first mobile phone? <laughs> my first. So my first mobile phone that I that I actually owned was one of those Motorola brick phones. Um, I I was a long commuter and decided to invest in the technology, and so golly, I don't even know if that was one G, but you know, it was the kind that you had to hold up and. Had the, the little flip open microphone and and uh, it, it had to plug in. I don't think it had enough battery to run for twenty minutes or so. But that was yeah, um, Mark, that was probably in what nineteen ninety one, ninety two, around then. So very old, very old first phone. But you looked. I'm sure you looked really cool standing somewhere. Oh there. yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> pulling out that. All right, guys, hold on one second. Right. Make a yeah. phone call. But yes, yeah, so this was your first experience with mobile phones. Um, what, what, what about computers? So, what was your first computer? So, uh, the first one really was a TRS 80, a Radio Shack TRS 80. And I, and I remember I had one, I, I learned on uh, how, to, how to do basic programming, uh, the language basic, uh, on, on a TRS 80. And uh, would occasionally wander around through um, malls uh, after I was working for Sun Microsystems. And I remember I had a salesperson come up to me and, uh, you know, kind of cross their arms across their chest and say, hey, so you like that computer, huh? And, and uh, I, I was trying to explain that, you know, the ones that I had at work had 10,000 times more memory than that one did. But it was still, it, it, was, it was nostalgic. So my TRS-80 was my first. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, and and was this your first experience with tech itself, or when was your first experience where you like? No, no. Um, even even before computers, I was uh, interested in electronics and uh, um, 
uh, stereo equipment. So, you know, I, I was a little bit of an audiophile when I was like eight or nine or 10 years old, I forget. Um, but, uh, you know, I spent all the money that I, that I had on, uh, from my paper route on, on electronics and building uh, Heath kit uh, kits out of uh, out of parts to figure out what uh, what the electronics were, and and the difficulty was that when I got to university, I I went the the route of mechanical engineering, and so I had this basic electronics understanding, and then I understood how to program, but I could never make the connection between how do you go from a an AND gate to an if then statement, you know, or an object program, and uh, and so I took some computer architecture courses. Um, so that I could make that connection, and I learned assembler language, and learned about uh, you know all the, the buffer registers and things like that at the at the IBM mainframe stage, and then that really started me into my career. And then this is what inspired you then to get into um, computing, and what, and what brought yeah. you then into the d data center industry? What made you become the pioneer which you are now um, yeah. in the industry? Yeah, it was very complimentary. Thank you, Susan. I don't know if I live up to all those accolades, but uh, but the data center industry, like uh, like our friend Dean Nelson likes to say, I think everyone kind of falls into it. No one, no one really plans, or well, at least up in in uh, the the level that we're at, no one plans for it. My first um, real experience with data centers was at Sun Microsystems. Um, I was working in uh, as the uh, the head of North American IT. And uh, one of our uh, VPs came to me and said he had just uh, been designated as the new uh, chief sustainability officer. That was Dave Douglas, Susanna, if you remember. And, and he was asking me, how much, how much uh, electricity do our computers use? And how much uh, energy does the data center use? And, and we didn't even know. So we did started to do some research on that. And, and uh, I started to get interested in it. And it turns out that my university degree um, is mechanical engineering, but uh, the, my focus in my master's degree was in solar energy. So I had sustainability creds uh, and was able to, to speak the right, the right language. And so I, I started working with Dave Douglas on the uh, sustainability aspects at Sun. And, and really, it was all focused on data center at that point, because data centers uh, at that point were, gosh, I think the first PUE measurements that were ever made that, the, you know, they used like four times as much electricity to deliver one watt of power to the computers. And so that was, uh, that kind of fascinated us and it was off and running from there. What, so what day was that again? Uh, so that would have been about 2005 uh, when we started doing the, the sustainability piece in, and uh, the aspects of it. it was Sun, Sun had, uh, you know, had ridden the dot-com boom and dot-com bust and uh, had reinvented itself as a, a green technology company quite well. Uh, and uh, our, our work in the data center really started to establish some of that stuff. We were, Sun, uh, along with 10 other companies, were the founding members of an organization called the Green Grid, um, that uh, that helped to uh, inform and develop sustainability practices around data centers in that 2005, 2006 through about 2016 period. Uh, and I was uh, I was on the original board of directors and uh, eventually became the executive director of that organization for a couple of years as well. 
So, so this is so this is where you found your passion then in trying to make um, because I yeah. but what I really liked in the, the the pre before we started with the recording and everything we had a catch up a couple of days ago, yeah. and and you said most of the project we never set out to create more sustainability. It's just through the process of doing it. It's yeah. just that we created. And um, and as Susanna already mentioned, you won awards and um, th there's a kind of a journey. And, and what I really liked about that statement, because it really made me think, because for me it was like, okay, so you, you basically don't set out to achieve a certain goal, but because you follow certain procedures, I assume, during these processes, you yeah. achieve uh, even further than what you probably um, dreamt of yeah. achieving. Well, it, what we what I say is think in more than one dimension at a time. You know, as business people, we're we're trained to think in the economic dimension and get maximum return. But if we if we think in the sustainability dimension as well, and ecology as well as economy, um, we can get you know a, a better result and maximize or or at least increase the benefit along more than one axis at a time. Uh, and and really, you know, now we start. Then then we go three axis and four, five, six, seven, ten. You know, we start to get into machine learning and AI, and that's that really is the uh, the interesting part of that is as we start to overcomplicate these things where our brains can't necessarily handle them. Or, I'm sorry, Susanna's brain can handle it, but not mine. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, once I get past three dimensions, I'm lost. So then I got to go to to optimizing functions and machine learning programs. Yeah. Uh, do, okay. And then, of course, our favorite question. So, during lockdowns and everything, um, have you have you found yourself um, a gadget which you yeah. could be looking back to in a couple of years and be like, "Well, this is this is my gadget." Yeah, uh, yeah so a little bit. Gadget? My, you know, my earphones uh, were one. You know, because I uh, had uh, had not had the uh, the in ear earphones for a while. These are these are Jabra um, Elite seventy fives that are especially good for sports. Um, and uh, and then you know you mentioned your digitization of your home. I, I've done the same thing. We talk to our house a lot now. With uh, I can't say her name because she'll start to to do things right. But uh, we call her we call her Amanda when we don't want her to to respond. Um, so so uh, how far have you set up Amanda? I mean, um, I'm yeah, trying to so, get to the point that she wakes me up in the morning, which somehow yeah. works because I have a sunrise that simulates yeah. now in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've got lights. Uh, we just finished the Christmas season and, you know, all of our lights were, uh, we could talk to them and talk to Amanda and have her turn them on and off for us or make them blink or change colors. So it's yeah. uh, we're experimenting with it still. There's this, yeah, you can, um, it's quite funny because if you tell her like, um, it's my birthday, then she starts singing songs. Um, yeah. So that's something you can try. Or if you have a dog at home, you can say, um, uh, look after my dog. Yeah. And then it starts uh, talking to the dog. So that's but, quite. Uh, what I find interesting is that, you know, without the technology, I could have walked over to a radio and turned it on and started listening to music. But now I have to say, Amanda, no, not that station. Play this music. No, Amanda, not that one. This one. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes it easier. Yeah, but this is, I, I think it's part of our, um, the, the humans are just like to, it's easy processes like this you just replace now because now you have music which you can access, um, which right. you probably never were able to listen to, you or, know? Or not and, as much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, not as much. And um, I think it's really great because. I mean, I have an old school um, player here with the vinyls, but I mean, wow. 20 minutes and then it starts 
Great. <laughs> Sorry, the future. Plus, you can't listen to the uptime punks. You have to go on yeah, spot. I think you could. I, I bet you could get Amanda to put those little scratchy parts in between music if you wanted it on the digital sound. So. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe it's possible. But um, <laughs> yeah, so you got some really cool gadgets. Okay, that's great. Um, okay, and then um, I think Tim has Tim has prepared some really. Uh, Tim is the guy here who always is keen about the sustainability subject. Um, he's the one that started educating me. Um, and um, Tim, um, yeah, I think you did because you were the first one that always told me off about in the office with the garbage when I started putting everything in general waste. And then you were the, <laughs> you're the one who's like, no, what are you doing? The plastic goes in here. Separate and, uh, the streams. <laughs> yeah, really Tim is kind of a person. It, it astonishes me because if the British person did the same thing, I wouldn't bother so much because they don't have this. But you as a German... You should have those standards because you invented this whole <laughs> separation thing. But... Is this podcast going to be broadcast in England? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, we don't care about these things. <laughs> our employee is, is British, but um, anyways, I'm Swiss. So it's it's a, quite an international round we have here anyway. So I guess a little, uh, a little friendly bashing goes okay. No, yeah. uh, sustainability indeed. But my, my first question would actually be just... Um, a different one in terms of uh, what you said before with you couldn't get your head around certain things, right, with AI and machine learning. So, yeah. uh, Mark, what do you think is the biggest technology threat, if there is any, uh, to to our current world? It doesn't well, have, biggest... have to be AI or ML, but that's just yeah. my think of, of, of that question. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a big... Um, proponent of the, you know, the AIs that take over the world kind of things, uh, the, uh, the Terminator, uh, Sky, Skynet, yeah, Skynet. Uh, and because it, having written some machine learning and, and uh, AI code or what would be called AI code, uh, boy, it is f so far from self-aware. Oh, um, you know, it, but it does it does do amazing things the, you know that, that like i said that uh, i find that humans are not that good at managing um yeah, we talk about um in the data center world one of the things that that people like to do is they'll they'll get to a point where things are running and they just want to leave it that way forever because availability is king in the data center industry right we we work to five nines of availability 99.999 percent and um, when something's running, then the, the tendency is just let it, let, it, let it alone, let it run. Now, that means that you're going to run at the same conditions regardless of what's happening in the, in the load on the computers, in the temperatures outside, in the humidities, in the, in the weather. And uh, in what we found over, over time in the industry is that with all those things changing, we, we are not running data centers at uh, very efficient. Uh, what do they say? Uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as the weather just happens to go past the set point that we're using, then then it's running very efficient, but many, many other times it's not. And mm -hmm. so that constant control uh, of being able to um, uh, adjust temperatures, lighting, uh, access, ventilation, mix of inside and outside air, relative humidity, uh, all those temp those variables uh, um, to get more efficiency out of it. Uh, I'll I'll give kudos to one of our uh, one of our competitors, but our good friend Joe Cava, 
Um, you know, five, six years ago, they came out with um, public information about some of the work that they had done with machine learning controlling their data center uh, cooling systems. And, and they were able to save 40% of the energy, yeah. the overhead energy, the cooling, by letting the machine learning operate the systems versus mm -hmm. the human operators. And, and, and it, was, it tells an interesting story about it. Um, when they brought in the AI folks, they, they analyzed the data, they trained the, the, uh, the machine learning programs, and then they told the, the uh, operators what the settings were that the machine learning programs recommended. And operators looked at it and they said, that'll crash everything. That, that's going to make the systems fail right away as soon as you do it. Mm -hmm. and, and to Joe's credit, he, he said, well, then you better have your recovery procedures tuned up so that we can recover because we are going to do this. We're going to try it out, turn it on. So they drilled for a couple of months uh, practicing their recoveries, you know, all these scenarios about that that were gloom and doom, these awful things were going to happen. And uh, they got to the point where they, they were going to test it out. They turned control over to the machine learning program, the AI program. It You, you watched the trace of the energy and it dropped 40% right as they turned the program on. It stayed down for two or three hours while they were running the test. And then it came right back up to where it was before and continued. And they didn't have any of the problems that were predicted by the by the folks. And when they went back, once it had been successful, the, the operators went back and they said, oh, now this makes sense. You know, now that I see it, now that I believe it can happen, uh, then then I then I see what can happen. And I think that'll be that'll be one of the things, you know, kind of like the the anti-vax uh, movements that go on or the, the anti-technology strains that go on. I think one of the greatest threats will be that people won't accept, you know, the good recommendations because they don't. They, it's not in their intuition that it that it makes sense that way, and we'll have to we'll have to uh, struggle with a lot of that stuff. I think I think technology will make a lot of uh, unexpected, non-intuitive changes recommended, and and we'll have to see how they go. Okay, so ignorance, in short. Yeah. Well, or <laughs> so let's say. What do they say? You will be assimilated. So, oh no, that's not the good part. That, that's <laughs> yeah. No, I get where you're coming from, uh, especially follow, follow the, the science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, right. and then I'll just add, uh, you know, Tim, uh, on a threat side. Um, you know, I do think that that what we see in the data center industry frequently is a swinging of pendulum. You know, from centralized computing to decentralized computing, and then back and forth over the the uh, thirty or so years that I've been in the industry. Um, and uh, we're in a we're in a, a, a I would say a centralized swing right now where we're building these massive data centers that consume megawatts of tens of megawatts of energy and lots and lots of water in the local communities and and uh, you know in the beginning uh, people were interested in having data centers in their communities but now it's a little bit of a push you know we're taking a lot of their electricity we use a lot of their water. We don't provide that many jobs on an ongoing basis, except for construction jobs, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, and so I think that that we'll have to address that in the future. Is uh, you know what's the what's the footprint of a data center look like, and and the pendulum is already starting to swing. You hear people talking about the edge, and uh, and that I think will be a technology trend over the next ten years, and we'll we'll swing back to the edge, and then we'll swing back a little bit to the center, and and uh, you know we'll keep going. Mm -hmm. Okay, but
but um, w w with the swing of the pendulum, where is um, the guy who makes sure that whether it's centralized or on the edge, everything yeah. rests or is within acceptable limits of of consumption and drives sustainability? Because I see a lot of hyperscalers who are actually always being accused of, oh, you use too much water, too much energy. But then again, they are the ones driving. I mean, you're the innovation artist, driving the innovation, yeah. driving the yeah. energy efficiency and yeah. making the pledges um, yeah. Yeah. That, that they have now very good chances to stick to, by the way. So on a side note, until 2030, Microsoft wants to get triple zero, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Carbon, actually, I wouldn't say triple zero because our carbon commitment needs to be carbon negative and yeah. to pull back all of the carbon that we've put into the atmosphere. Yeah, uh, since the beginning of the company, but the the commitments on water are to be, and also is to be water positive in the communities that we're in. Yeah, um, and uh, and then um, the uh, um, electronic waste and uh, is is to be zero waste. So yeah, yeah, we've made these very strong commitments, and and we're uh, folks like me inside of Microsoft in different areas are working on meeting those commitments. Yeah, uh, the carbon the carbon one is one of the biggest ones from a climate change standpoint. Definitely. Water always is a local issue. You know, it's uh, if we come in and we say we're going to use uh, evaporative cooling, which is very efficient from an energy standpoint. Now we start to put a strain on potable water in this in the uh, area where we are. Yeah. Um, so some of the work that I'm doing is working on uh, trying to reduce the amount of our water footprints in the data centers. Yeah. So before we get into this water stuff, because we're going to get under the water at some point later on in the podcast, another question, how long before the announcement or the pledge of Microsoft of getting carbon negative, how long before that point in time did you, Mark, already know that this was going to happen? Because I can't imagine that, that you didn't know about this before it went public. Yeah. I imagine you were sitting there and actually waiting for the announcement and actually perhaps even being the driver behind it, or how do I need to imagine yeah. this whole thing? Well, so, I mean, yes, the, the data center group that I work in uh, is the largest footprint uh, in the carbon uh, footprint, for example. So we we were aware the, the, the executives came to us and the sustainability folks came to us and said, you know, here's what we'd like. Here's our here's our North Star. Here's our our uh, our stretch goal. Can we do these things? And and uh, so we're working on technologies that will definitely get us there uh, in the in the 2030 timeframe. We we believe that all those goals that we've set are achievable. Um, the way that, that the industry works, you know, building a 10 year plan, it's probably too far into the future to really predict, but, um, but you know, with the plans that we have and the technologies that we're working, we can see our way there uh, for most of the way, and then we'll figure it out as we, as we keep moving along. Yeah, I like that, uh, sorry. It doesn't. It isn't ironic at all. But I like this good old-fashioned American optimism, which we, uh, <laughs> which we Germans lack sometimes. So uh, even though we invented things are negative, mate. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But it's it's Roman Bunsen, who is also an uptime punk. He said, you know, we Germans, we're we're cool people, but we're all some kind of uh, pessimistic. I'm not German, by the way. Just, to, but uh, I'm a Swiss. <laughs> I know them quite well. Um, yes, 
So really, That's why it's always political correct. That's the problem. I'm right. Like, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, the, even though they invented this whole, you know, separating um, uh, waste and all that, they're, they're still kind of, uh, yeah, pessimistic people. Right? The Americans are um, more optimistic. So I like what you just said. Um, Paul, why don't you ask um, Mark about well, I, I would like to know from Mark, like, how do you tackle a project like this? And uh, how did you tackle the project you won the award with? Um, yeah. So you won an award, um, which this is how you and Susanna met, which was last year. Um, how, how, did it, how did the project come together? And can you tell us more about the project you worked on? So uh, a few years ago, we started looking into different ways to provide backup power uh, in the data centers. Um, every data center uh, around the world uh, uses uh, diesel generators today. Uh, I mean, virtually every data center uses diesel generators to provide backup power. And you know, it's because the IT equipment is sensitive to power shifts and power changes and power failures. And, uh, and so we all provide that, that kind of level of backup power. Um, while the diesels don't get uh, used very much uh, for their for their primary purpose, the backup power, um, part of that is because they uh, have very bad emissions, right? Diesels uh, issue particulates and carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide, nitrous uh, uh, oxides of nitrogen, um, and air quality permits for diesels. Um, are difficult to get at the scale that many of the, the large companies are building at, at the tens of megawatts or the, even the hundreds of megawatt scales. Uh, local communities just don't want to have that many diesels running the potential for running them um, because of air quality issues. So we started looking into different solutions um, and uh, we had done some experimentation as a company with um, solid oxide fuel cells uh, SOFC fuel cells, which run off of natural gas. They, they run at very high temperatures, so they're very good for base load, very steady load type conditions, but they're not good for if you have to turn them on quickly, dump the entire data center load onto them, run for a few hours of highly variable use, and then, and then jump them back down. Um, but we had seen, uh, we looked around and, and saw the automotive industry and the trucking industry looking at hydrogen powered fuel cells, what are called proton exchange membrane cells, PEM cells rather than SOFC. And, um, and the PEM cells work very much like a diesel. They, they turn on quickly, they come up to speed at full power, they uh, run relatively cool, they, they run very clean because they only use hydrogen. And what a fuel cell does is uh, takes pure hydrogen gas and oxygen from the atmosphere, combines them electrochemically using a, a catalyst like platinum inside the fuel cell. And when the two uh, atoms come together to make a, a molecule of water, it releases a little bit of electricity in the process. And they gather that electricity together, you do that enough times uh, and you get a current flow. And so the only exhaust that comes out of a fuel cell is water vapor at a, you know, it looks like a, a dryer vent, basically, when, uh, when we run these things. Uh, and, the, and so no pollution at all. Um, the, uh, the hydrogen fuel is, um, we actually make, uh, I, I, want, I don't want to exaggerate, I think the number is something like 10 million tons of hydrogen per year in the United States alone. Most of it is used in the petroleum industry uh, to help with the refining of petroleum. But, but there is very large uh, production of hydrogen. Now, 
Um, one issue that, that we would still have with uh, fuel cells is the, the way the hydrogen is produced. Hydrogen can be produced very efficiently from natural gas. Uh, we, it's called a, a process called steam methane reformation. So you take a little bit of uh, that water vapor, you take some uh, methane, combine them, put a little bit of heat in, and what comes out is pure hydrogen gas and CO2. And, uh, and that's so the hydrogen gas is good, but it still leaves us with a, a CO2 footprint. So we, we try not to use that. It's a bit like a meth cook. Or is, is a there... little, well, different <laughs> meth, I think. Different meth. But it does leave CO2. And so that, that's, that hydrogen that's made from hydrocarbons or natural gas is called either gray or black or brown hydrogen. Uh, green hydrogen then is made from uh, renewable electricity, either a hydroelectric dam or, or wind farms or solar energy, run into a, a device called an electrolyzer, which if you take uh, two electrodes, put them down in a tank of water and run current through it, uh, hydrogen and oxygen split apart. Uh, one comes up uh, off of one electrode, the other comes off the other. So it's easy to separate. Uh, and that, that electricity or that uh, uh, renewable energy produced hydrogen is called green hydrogen. And that's, that's really what we were interested in uh, as the data center industry. Uh, because using gray or black or, or brown hydrogen would still leave us with a carbon footprint. And since we've got this carbon negative thing, we've got to go as, uh, as clean as we can. Yeah. Um, and, and Paul, what we did is when we evaluate the submission that Mark and his mm -hmm. team uh, delivered, uh, we felt that this is very simple um, in terms of using existing resources. Um, and it's not extracting um, unnecessarily resources that are very limited from the environment. So we yeah. gave a very high score in terms of that kind of thinking. Um, we don't see that as a negative in terms of actually the carbon footprint that Mark uh, uh, mentioned uh, as a byproduct because we, uh, we all recognize that there are decarbonization technology that can actually capture True. these byproducts. So, you know, one byproduct, such as, for example, wasted heat uh, that come out from data centers already being a very good source of um, input to other use cases, such as district heating or to the food cluster industry. So we felt that the, uh, what Mark's uh, invention and the technique that they basically done from a process in, uh, innovation perspective were right on. So we rewarded that and, and we felt that this would be complementary to the carbon capture technology that actually, frankly, will be very useful for uh, the food and beverage industry, for example, because you still need um, carbon dioxide in some other industry. We just don't want it to be emitted into the air like right. we, didn't, we didn't care about in data center for you know, a very long time that when you and I got started with Mark, which is, you know, throw it out in the air. And, and we, right. we, we have to stop that um, line of thinking from a linear economy perspective. So it, it was uh, very well thought out. And it also um, addresses and give rise to other new industry in a circular economy. We felt yeah. that was really yeah. good. So congratulations again for being the award winner. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Mark. So did Anhoise push right on it or... Uh... I'm sorry, Tim. Say again. Sorry. So did Anheuser Busch uh, jump right on it for their uh... on the carbon dioxide the, from the uh, production? 
they've got they've got so many people banging on their door that are capturing carbon dioxide that they, they aren't going to have any problem making bubbles in beer. So well, it's fire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Besides, you just showed that you are Swiss. That's not where the bubbles in beer come from, anyways. It's bubbles in quota. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe it's the fact a that a German would know that. Beer. A German would know. Brewery industry. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I mean, they, they have they have chocolate in Switzerland, but they take the milk from Bavarians. You don't even have your own cows, mate. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, they produce too much CO two, mate. Yeah, <laughs> Man, I, thought, I thought this was a technical podcast. This is all politics. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's always where it gets interesting. So, um, do you then, in general, believe that um, you should try to build sustainability throughout the entire data center from day one, right. um, or um, how, how how do you see this vision yeah. coming complete picture? Because from the way I see it now, it's like let's say the big bad boys, which are the big yeah. hyperscalers, right? Yeah. Let's just, yeah. I'm putting you in that category, yeah. no offense. Yeah. Um, you guys have done um, an amazing job um, bringing um, uh, humanity into the future with tech. Um, you supported with programs and all of these things. Yeah. And now you guys are looking back and you're like, forgive my language, you're like, shit. Um, yeah, we left a couple of big footsteps along the way while we um, did this, right? Yeah. And then you say, okay, we're going to try to um, undo our mistakes, which is then the pledge to, well, all the carbon footprint which we put in the air, we're going to take yeah. that one back. But then as in looking towards the future past 2030, um, what is the vision then? I mean, yeah. we said already the pendle is going to the edge. So yeah. do you think that in future... Um, I don't know if you have a Microsoft Office subscription, you're going to have your own little uh, micro data center in your office, which works for these employees that are there. Yeah, those um, those days, I think, I hope, are long gone. Having you know, having to wander around from office to office and fix things. Um, or you're going to have a, a, I don't know, a so, 7G network that's going to Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Um, faster and faster. Um, that, what I think, here's, here's one about? thing. So uh, the one thing I will say is that is that um, you have to realize that as big a footprint as the hyperscalers have, what we've done is aggregated tens or hundreds or even thousands of other footprints into our data centers. And, and because we build data centers that are so big and we're so focused on efficiency, it, I mean, let's face it, the data center is our factory. Every penny we can take out of the cost of that, of that factory we, is either profit or savings we can give to our customers. And so it, from a competitive standpoint, we, we need to be as efficient as we can. We, there have been numerous studies that talk about the cost of data centers and the hyperscale versus common the operating parameters, the efficiency of them. In every one of those comparisons, data centers, big data centers are, are much more efficient than small ones are. So I think you'll see a, a continued move that's a good sustainability move from you know, every company owning their own data center to letting the experts who do it you know, 10 times as often uh, run the data centers efficiently for them. Um, and everybody will benefit from that. I think you'll you'll continue to see additional digitalization of the of the community and the industry around. Uh, you know, the more services that can be provided, um, that, that uh, where we where we move electrons instead of molecules, right? Music service. So you have vinyl records. They had to be packaged. They had to be shipped. They had to be manufactured. They had to move. They had to move all this stuff. Whereas you know, we could download those bits. 
in a, in a very, very efficient way with clean electric energy that comes from renewable sources. And, and so, you know, those uh, contributions to society, I think, are things that will continue um, from the industry in general, you know, from all of the application providers and, and all of the, the creative folks out there that are coming up with new ways to apply digital technologies. Um, so I, I think those will be the biggest contributions from a sustainability standpoint is the continued aggregation into the, the highly efficient uh, data centers. And whether that's, you know, the big centralized or the, or the edge ones, we're going to continue to build efficient edge computing because we'll be driven that way by, you know, Microsoft is driven that way by Amazon. Amazon's driven that way by Google. Google's driven that way by Facebook, by Baidu, by Tencent. So, um, you know, everybody is, uh, is competing for the same, uh, the same digital uh, communities. And, uh, and sustainability is important to those communities, uh, as well as the cost of those services. So you still want, you want free cat videos, we have to run a really eff efficient data center in order to be able to have free cat videos. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I really liked it last time because um, when we had Susanna the first time on the podcast and this, her saying back then really left an impression on me. And it was, um, she said, if you want change, you have to start the change with yourself. And it's mm -hmm. us that has to demand this kind of things where um, we basically have to, <laughs> Susanna is holding up her cat when it comes to the cat videos. Cat videos, <laughs> see, right there. We've got cat videos. This is coming from a cloud data center somewhere. So there we go. Yeah, yeah, that, that's positive. true. And it's, a, and it's the first cat on a podcast. So um, welcome, cat. Um, so, um, but yeah, so I, I remember Susanna was saying that um, it's, it's us, the end users, that need to demand that uh, clean energy is being used. And do you guys see this in Microsoft that um, your executives are coming and saying, well, our clients are asking that oh, we yeah. need to... Oh, yeah, reduce yeah. our footprint here and the pressures on do you see this actively happening um yeah. oh it has been for years i mean the 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 whole reason that the green grid formed was to get out ahead of regulation uh, that looked like it was starting to come uh, and the, the the 11 big companies that got together and it was sun microsystems and ibm and microsoft and intel and um i can't even remember all hp and and uh you know, we all got together and said, we've got to do this better than uh, because if we don't, then legislators will come after us and they'll make us do something that we don't want to do. And and uh, and then uh, the the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations like Greenpeace, um, you know, Greenpeace was I loved in the in the early 2000s when Greenpeace, I guess it was the late 2000s, maybe early 2010s, when Greenpeace used Facebook against itself. Right? They created a page called Unlike Coal, and uh, and it got tremendous following, and it forced Facebook to to start to reckon with their sustainable footprint, uh, and uh, and the same has been true of all the other organizations. We're our customers around the world are are very focused on how much energy we use, how much carbon we produce. Uh, how much water we use, and so it's a it's a competitive pressure as well as uh, you know the right thing to do kind of pressure. So wow. So Paul and Tim, I really hope that um, leaders like you in the uptime punk and the audience that listen in for the millennial probably don't even recall the or even know about the first phone that Mark used because they weren't born yet. Um, will demand uh, every virtual meeting, every virtual podcast they listen to will be run on uh, green energy. I right. think that was it, that will clearly start the movement. 
um, as much as I applaud that the client demanded it, so Microsoft responded, I genuinely believe the social movement for individual sustainability is just as important as a corporate commitment. And, and I do hope that the data center folks uh, are not going to wait for somebody to kick them in the butt or poke them in the eye. Uh, like the example that Mark mentioned, it actually happened to Facebook. It also happened to Amazon. Uh, yeah. but, but sustainability should be part of the heart of uh, our goal, which is, for example, resilient and uptime. Uh, and there's no reason why it cannot be simultaneous, which is actually published by one of the right. uh, white paper that you guys did last year. It, it can You can actually have simultaneous resilience and sustainability at an affordable pricing. It is coming that way. Yep. So I hope you yep. all will be uh, leading as pioneer to help us to actually promote that to the new generation. We definitely will try. And we definitely uh, will do our best doing it. And yeah, maybe too political, the young generation, but we'll try our best. No, yeah. I actually think this is good. I, I, I absolutely think this is wonderful. Mark and I actually think uh, the equivalent of you in the U.S. or else we would not have that many votes that we had this year. That is indeed true. So I, uh, so Mark and I actually doing a Net Zero webinar next week, and I absolutely roll out the red carpet for Paul, yourself, Tim, and also your counterpart, Thomas, if you'd like to attend, because I think this will be wonderful to actually have more millennial into the data center industry. You yeah. think, Mark? They don't oh, need, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't need old timers like us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, another organization that I that I helped uh, to get off the ground was the Infrastructure Masons, uh, founded by our friend Dean Nelson, and he'd be a great guest for you all to have as well sometime, Susanna, maybe, yes. um, to talk about sustainability, super passionate about sustainability in the industry. And um, we, we, we started that organization with a goal to be diverse and inclusive. But we took a picture of the first big meeting that we had, and there were just about 100 people there. We took the statistics. It was 93% white, old men. So we said, hmm, we got a problem here. And just three years later, they took a picture of their latest event where they had they actually got together um, in a safe way. And they, and they achieved more than 50% women attending a conference, a major uh, industry conference for the first time that, that, that we're aware of. So they've made great progress from right. a, a, a diversity inclusion standpoint, which I think is of as an aspect of sustainability as well. It's not a, not a planetary one, but it definitely is one that uh, uses the keep going forever part, part of uh, sustainability. Mm -hmm. and Indeed. And it's great. I mean, um, I think a lot of females are leader in the industry and um, we have um, next week, well, I'm going to give this away, but I, well, I don't know if the, no, the episode won't be out by then, but we have next week um, a lady from Asia and she is um, a CEO of one of the biggest data centers in Asia mm. and she runs a data center over there. So um, yeah, it's great to see um, female leadership in the industry and it's, it it's great. I mean, and like you said, Susanna can think in dimensions we can't even dream of. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are way too kind. I'm I'm very excited about next Wednesday. We will have uh, first in our history, uh, Vice President Yulak Kamara Harris will take office. 
because it's. Uh, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, um, I, I, I think she's going to be probably the next president of the United States, then the first um, female president of the United States, because that's that's the path that's being. But now we're getting too political. We <laughs> um, <laughs> just can't keep away from it. That's all. It's I can't. Go away. Anyways, the impeachment thing didn't go through. Unfortunately, it would have been fun just to see him get thrown out <laughs> four days before. But um, that's a different story. Yeah. I would have just cherry on the cake but uh, i think twitter and facebook has done a really great job uh, with suspending his account that was something that was long overdue but yeah um thank you to the higher powers over there um getting back to our podcast um so when you're doing all of these developments what is what is some of the this is this is where the youngsters are coming in what is some of the coolest stuff you have then developed where you're like it was a quick fix, but it fixed the problem really fast. Yeah, and that we can that, talk about. You mean, or <laughs> yeah, what you can talk about? You know, you know. Actually, I think one of the things that uh, Microsoft and the other industries have, or the other folks in the industry have done, is that we've inspired or paid for um, the the real surge in renewable energy, and uh, and that I think more than anything else, that's a field that that I think a lot of folks could be very successful in it's going to be a long run as a career uh it, it's good for the planet um, there's plenty of workers needed i mean there's you know everything from from blue collar workers installing things to to energy arbitrage folks to people looking for creative ways to uh, firm up the the energy generation this the uh, the um different kinds of, uh, of energy that gets generated at different times of the day. We've got to make sure that that's deliverable at, at, at times. And, and that's a huge key to sustainability. There's all kinds of technological and financial and project management and, you know, all kinds of, of career opportunities, I think. And, you know, Microsoft alone, in order to get to that carbon negative goal, we're going to, we're going to have gigawatts of electricity coming from renewable projects and inspiring. And, and one of the other things that I've discovered in this uh, hydrogen work that I've been doing is the same, very a very similar amount of investment and excitement is happening around hydrogen as a fuel. And, and that's one of the interesting things is that, you know, we can talk about renewable energy and electrifying everything. And electricity works well for a lot of stuff and batteries work well for, for a lot of stuff as well. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that we still need to make very high temperature heat for refining steel um, and, and electricity isn't going to get us there. Um, so a fuel is needed. And today it's it's a hydrocarbon based fuel, but in the future it could be a hydrogen based fuel. And, and we're seeing, especially in Europe, you know, t projects being announced every couple of months in, in there, you know, is a gigawatt here. There's another gigawatt over there, a couple hundred megawatts over here. Spain and Portugal in in uh, ne the Netherlands um, and everybody's talking about being able to balance out that the uh, the up and down the intermittent generation that happens with renewables by creating hydrogen using that process we talked about the electrolyzers and then storing it and then using it turning it back into electricity without any pollution uh, sometime in the future and one of the interesting things is they're not only talking about doing it you know on a on a diurnal cycle, right? So the sun only shines during the day, so you've got to be able to make electricity at night. Wind only blows intermittently, so you need to store through that. But there are seasonal differences. So in the Northern Hemisphere, the sun is not as strong in, in December, January, and February. 
and they want to store seasonal hydrogen. They would be in underground caverns where they can store, you know, months worth of, of energy in the form of hydrogen and turn it back into electricity on demand. So uh, I, I think that that's it's like a battery. You just pull it out. It, and it's, plug it, it in. I mean, ideally, that's that what that's what we compare it to. It's an energy storage system. Hydrogen by itself is doesn't really exist uh, in free form, uh, at least on the on our planet. Uh, and, uh, and so we have to break it apart by using some energy. And if we use renewable energy for that, that's, that's where we get the green hydrogen or as Susanna suggested, use the hydrocarbons if we need to as a bridging strategy, but capture the carbon and, uh, and sequester it. So harvest and, the good times for, for the bad times. Exactly. So, yeah, so I, in, I second, yeah, I second what Mark shared and that is, uh, it's support the data collection that um, myself as a data center advisor for the UN, um, the input that was given by the hyperscaler and other enterprise uh, data center client, um, they said that um, exactly what Mark mentioned, that we need to have more a common standard in terms of um, dealing with the intimacy of the renewable uh, for us to really cross the chasm to basically turn that over. So one of the key things we were looking into is to collaborate with uh, a brilliant mind like Mark and others in the industry to, to, to come up with a common metrics for sustainability. So we don't get, so we learn from our own mistakes in terms of basically doing the PUE mark because everybody can kind of measure it in a little bit differently. And so the numbers at the end of the day may not be meaningful. So we try not to make the same mistakes about sustainability metrics and emission reporting. So that would be something, an area that I think we can, as an industry can collaborate on and maybe even working with yourself, Paul and Tim and Thomas in terms of the educational uh, seminar in that regard to commercialize it. So I know the EU is ahead uh, because you, the culture itself um, already embraces uh, clean energy. Uh, but I have to admit US, uh, give us a chance uh, to restart after January 20th, we will come right. straight in and, and really focus on that. So I'm very excited about uh, teaming up with Mark in that regard. Uh, and Asia Pacific already woke up. Um, I think Vietnam yeah. announced a nine gigawatt in terms of the rooftop. And But currently now it's actually very difficult to even source energy in Asia Pacific, let alone clean energy, right? So we all need to kind of come together and help each other out, um, including yeah. the developing country like what what. Paul, you said about the Basile, um COVID strand, they don't have the resources to start at the beginning. So I think we need to all work together as a community um, to help each other out. The, I mean, there's no point of pining in on the pain that Mark and it's I had world. 30 years ago. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one world, yeah. That's that's how that's how people we're citizens of the world, not citizens of one state or one country. So it's in all our yeah. interests. Well, yes. that's the very 1970s um, <laughs> before our generation. Pendulum, pendulums, remember? Back yeah, and forth. Peace <laughs> and love. Peace and love. Um, speaking about, um, then um, I'm, I'm the. I, I was so fascinated by this Microsoft project which you guys did was um, the the project Natic, right? Which where you submerged mm, yeah. the 
Um, I, I know you didn't fully work on a project, but yeah. is that part also of the 2030 something to do with that? Is so the little test project. My group, my like... group actually did that. They, they they completed the the project and set it into the sea just as I joined Microsoft about two and a half years ago. And as you know, it came back out of the the sea uh, a little bit ago, um, and we we ran it underwater for two years. Um, we we've learned a tremendous amount from that. I would say that um, there is further research going on uh, in that space, uh, and we're trying to figure out if it's something that that uh, you know it's one of those wild hair ideas that that uh, we implemented enough so we could get some good experimental data out of, and we got we got great information out of it. So limited space—that's what I think. It, it's it, it is, but uh, but it's still if you think about it, you don't want to put computers in the middle of the Mariana Trench uh, because the the cable would be too long. And uh, so you got to stay close to the shore it, it, a little bit. And and you'll run into the typical things that you run into with uh, any kind of new technology or new new proposal like that. People don't like things next to their, you know, oceanfront home. Um, they don't want to have a data center down in the, in the, the shallow water bubbling away. Um, producing cat videos um, necessarily, but it's but there are places. It does give us more more space, right? Since two thirds of the the planet is covered with water, and and what liquid is cooling is so much more efficient than than air based cooling. So that's that's one of the real advantages there. So it means that this data center doesn't use any water. Is that correct? It does not use any water. The the if you look at the Natick project, um, the cylinder was actually sealed, and uh, then pumped through with um, gaseous nitrogen. So it had a pure nitrogen atmosphere inside the cylinder, and then at the end of the at the end of one end of the cylinder, there were heat exchangers that exchanged uh, the nitrogen-based heat you know, with cool water coming from the outside. That's how we got heat out of the cylinder. Mm -hmm. um, but there was, uh, you know, so that was a sense of liquid cooling that it was done there. It wasn't direct contact liquid cooling to the, to the IT equipment. Yeah. The, yeah. And the, the, the gaseous nitrogen atmosphere was so that we could prevent oxidation, right? No oxygen, no oxidation. Um, so the systems that came out after two years, they were, they were bright, shiny, clean. They were beautiful. Um, when, they, when we pulled no them out of the cylinder, yeah, nothing. It's a pity we can't share pictures on the podcast, but I saw the, tank i call it the cylinder when it was lit, yeah. there were muscles and alex and all oh yeah oh yeah right on them so a true ecosystem but one yeah you can think in front of it because basically you it, can it, it helps the cool environment things man <laughs> like so you, now you got to be careful like too too much of a good thing right i mean if we put so one day one little data center cylinder down there a couple hundred kilowatts uh, you know, created this nice little microclimate that mussels were, uh, you know, glabbing onto and fish were gathering around. If we put 50 megawatts of data center down there, now we might start warming it up too much. Now we introduce invasive species. It's just all balanced. We got to, so like yeah. I said, we got to think in more than one dimension at a time. So. Yeah. But I think it's great what you guys are doing. Um, are you going to shoot also something to the moon and see if that works? Um, like I can't. I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
It's very cold out there. It's very cold. It should be good for you. I know. If you think about it, I mean, um, it's very cold out there and there's a lot of space. And yeah. but also there's a, there's a lot of rubbish flying around our planet up there. Yeah, but let's, but let's, but let's set our perspective correctly. A lot of rubbish still means that, you know, there's one piece of rubbish every 20 square mile, every 20 cubic miles. So you have to, you have to be pretty unlucky to run into another piece of rubbish. <laughs> oh, okay. And, oh. Def and definitely no oxygen. Up there. Well, that's so right. that I, yeah, I, oxygen. That's right. I, um, from what I can hear, Mark knows the stats already about how much rubbish is flying around. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay. Another episode of the Upside Parks at some point. But um, yeah, it's really great. Um, so, so where would you, both of you, where do you guys envision? I mean, you guys are okay. Twentieth of Jan, big date. Everything is going to change. If if we fast forward now, um, well, what is for both of you the the dream outcome of twenty one? What you will achieve in the field that you work in? Um, where do you see twenty one going, and what do you think will be the milestones this year in the industry? Mark, you want to go uh, first? Yeah, sure. I, I think that you'll see you know uh, kind of a continuation of the trends that we have so far where where we're continuing to aggregate into more efficient facilities um, the construction that's going on in the data center industry is is phenomenal uh, I think that you'll start to see uh, advancements in in thermal uh, management that you know things like heat reuse and and uh, cryogenics um, that you'll start to see more advancements there's an awful lot of people focusing on quantum computing and and we'll see progress in there, which has promise of, you know, I don't think it'll, it will decrease the amount of energy that we use, but it'll unbelievably increase the amount of things we can do with the energy that we, that we consume. And, and, I, and I think you'll also see data centers start to focus on um, the, the concept of being, a, you know, both a producer and a consumer in, in some ways, uh, you know, like we talked about with hydrogen. Um, a way we could participate in a larger hydrogen economy is to use um, hydrogen power generators we have to help balance out the grid, put in some electrolyzers, use big storage tanks that we have to help uh, to help balance out uh, renewable energies uh, that are that are intermittent generation. So I, I think you'll see progress in, in some of those areas. Thank you, Mark. What about, what about you, Susanna? And for myself, um, my research uh, in the last couple of years have taught me to follow data and science. So there are three foes. Um, number one is um, we need to basically have an equitable climate action plan. Uh, data center plays a very, very big part because of the sector, but it also includes other sectors such as transportation. And we all talked about it. Um, our gadgets are relating to um, collecting a lot of health information on a personal basis. So there's huge uh, data growth um, because of COVID. So therefore, number one, um, what I like to help the industry and our client is to deploy these uh, net zero data center uh, using actually the natural infrastructure environment. Um, let's be more mindful when we are citing new data center where there are plenty of resources available, let's try to figure out to use them naturally 
uh, in those locations because we have many availability zones. So we can certainly solve the telecommunication problem a lot easier now. Uh, I mean, take a look at Mark. He gone from half a G, a quarter of a G to now probably thinking about seven to eight Gs, right? Or 10 Gs in that matter. And 5G is definitely yeah. more deployed. So I would say um, use the sustainable environment to support what we're trying to do. Um, it, it's really more um, uh, shifting the mind, Paul, in terms of our thinking versus need to buy more technology. Uh, and the second part, I have to admit that I am a big fan about the whole data center life cycle. Um, it need to basically have a, have a complete loop so we can support each other. So from the design, site selection, build and operate to scale, a lot of people, especially Americans, are bad about doing that. We always like to brag about the new one that we build, but we also normally do not talk about the one that we take down, that we decommission, which also caused the environment negative impact. So I think we need to be mindful about the earlier ones that market you and I built about time that yeah. have an yeah. end of life. And last but not least, um, I hope that the Uptime Punk um, community will support us, that we need to synergistically harmonize with the community that the data centers serve. Um, I don't think data center need to have its own hydrogen infrastructure. I think for what Mark's trying to do, he certainly can share the infrastructure Absolutely. of the hydrogen infrastructure with the city. Um, that can be used also to um, power the transportation, the hydrogen car. So if we can think more about synergistically how we can use the clean energy in a more circular economy share infrastructure way. Um, so those are some of the key things I hope to work on in 2021 and be able to actually have the metrics to show you the difference in um, in three months, in six months, in nine months, um, along with us, all of us hopefully will get the vaccine so we can actually genuinely have a gathering yeah. that you folks do. That that would be that, that would, would be the big that, change. That would be my wish for 2021. Wow, that's great. Um, Tim, would you say this is a closing statement? Well, Tim, what is our pledge? Because we were thinking about a pledge already. Um, I think it's time for us to make a pledge as well. Um, your pledge um, about the, or our pledge about data center world going. Uh, well, plastic free. This was my vision for this year um, to run the exhibition plastic free. Well, yes. Um, so, so sorry to my execs. Um, you probably don't know the news yet, but now it's out there. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, no, it's just like I like I it, it, like I said. It really inspired me when Tizana said you need to just start the change from yourself. And this is something um, I'd like to remind also all our fellow listeners out there. Just think about it twice. Um, do you really need that third computer? Do you really need to? Um, <clears throat> do you really need to go by car to work while you can cycle? Um, I've or, amazingly or not go at all. Not go at all. Or not go at all. I've done amazingly last year 16,000 kilometers of cycling yeah. uh, because I didn't use any public transport or anything because I just said, well, it's just it's just these little things that make a difference. In the past, I would jump in an Uber, I would jump in a taxi, and these are the little things that make a difference. So um, kind reminder to everyone to just remember um, it's your planet as well. It's not just the other person's planet. Um, but yeah, so then I would like to give the last word to um, Mark and then to Susanna. And then, um, yeah, 
Um, Mark, the stage is yours. Well, so uh, what I would say just in summary is that uh, I'm very hopeful that the, the industry will continue uh, to be driven by our customers um, and uh, and by competition and that I think we'll see great things. Uh, I know that there's, I know uh, I'm lucky enough to be one of only a couple of hundred people in the world to get to do what we do. And and we, we know most of the other ones that are doing it and they're doing amazing things as well. So I, I'm hopeful about the future. And, and uh, I think you'll see that uh, the digital industry will continue to be a positive impact on the on society overall from a sustainability standpoint. Thanks. That was very, Susanna? that was excellent, Mark. Um, thank you, Paul. He's a true pioneer, like you said. I mean, <laughs> I got the religion. <laughs> I, I, I learned from Mark uh, every time I have a chance to talk to him. So thank you. Um, for me, um, I guess my summary statement would be um, stay healthy, everyone. Um, I think 2021 will be very different than 2020. Um, your voice matters. Um, the theme of today is sustainability. I understand that. Um, I would say learning from the recent election, learning from the uh, in 2020 about all the hyperscalers and more company are actually leaning into sustainability. Each of your voice matters. So thank you for listening to the podcast um, that Paul and Tim hosted us today. Um, we'd like to also invite you to actually have a live Q&A to start the dialogue with Mark and myself and other folks in the industry. Um, we are here for you and your voice matters. Um, it is not about data center taking the initiative. It is about you taking the initiative that you demand a sustainable journey. We will follow you. So thank you. Uh, thank you. And, and and I think it's great that you guys are having an open door policy and you're inviting people to come and ask you these questions. Um, that's on the 20th. Um, you're going to hear more with the link and how you can sign up and how you can be part of it in the outro. We're going to share with you all the details then. And yeah, um, a big thank you very much from Tim and myself. And um, always stay punky and always stay uh, positive minded and uh, take care of your health. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Tim, so the question I forgot to ask him was if they put the camera. I, I wonder, did you think they did something together with like um, oceanologists? Is that what they call the guys who look after the ocean? Oceanologists? Must be. because. But then the really tricky one was when I was like, I, I just said it, I was like, like it's a sassy way, like, oh, what are you going to do? Shoot a data center to the moon. And then his face, silence. And oh, then God. I was like, oh yeah, but there's all this garbage floating around. And then his response was just priceless when he said, um, yes, there's garbage every blah, 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 cubic meter, which means, Tim, don't get me wrong. I'm never wrong with my conspiracy theories. I might be wrong with Kim Jong-un being the guy who invented the Bitcoin. But <laughs> in my opinion, this looks like this looks like there's going to be a data center in space. I mean, isn't a satellite anyways a data center in space? Thinking about it? I mean, for yeah, tele I satellites are used for telecommunications, right? Wouldn't it be a data center already? There might be some edge 
kind of thing. It depends on how you define it. Um, but then, but here comes the thing that throws me off, and this is also one thing I forgot to ask him. Oh, damn it! I should always prepare my questions in advance. You know, be a prepared uh, <laughs> moderator of a podcast. But um, um, the the thing is, what um, he he mentioned. Oh, yeah, um, with the submerging the the data center in the ocean, that the cabling is the issue. That's why you need to keep it close to shore. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do in space? You're going to have a cable dangling down from the moon. No, I guess there is a, that would be kind of a different data center. But yeah, true. Why? I guess it would be kind of a data center that. Hmm. hmm. I don't know. And here, and here, here gets really interesting, and this is a shout out to my. Like so many data stream it into space and and back with this kind of waves that you use, because it's basically waves that you use to transmit information into space. Yeah, but you could use ultrasound in the ocean. I mean, whales do it. Yeah, but exactly. That's that's maybe why you wouldn't <laughs> use ultrasound in the ocean because whales <laughs> fucking do it. Next time uh, you know, you center inside the whale. <laughs> I mean, um, to Tim, if people even listen to this outro, they will think we're um, onto something here. But anyways, no, anyways, we, um, we, actually, I, I, we actually like the whales, man. That's yeah, just, we love the whales. Strong, we like the whales. Protect yeah. them and let them. And, let them... And, and we definitely believe that um, <clears throat> we definitely, well, I, I believe that they're going to do something in space. It definitely looks like it. But anyways, if that happens, we're going to have Mark back and then he needs to explain to us how that whole thing works because um, exactly. he does some great work and Susanna is also doing some really great thing. Um, she it's mentioned great. a little bit, she's going to come back in a couple of weeks to speak about it as well because we're going to have another hyperscaler here as well. Uh, mm-hmm. well tick mark, tick mark. Um and yes, Tesla, we're still coming for you. I haven't forgotten the Tesla thing. I will have somebody here from Tesla at some point. Um, but it's on my personal agenda. Um, what about you, Tim? Um, how, how, about, how was your impression at the end of it? Um, do, you think, do you think they're going to be able to achieve that 2030? I think he, I think he felt really confident. I, I don't think that. Um, like Just from a very cold and an analytical perspective, I don't think that an organization as big and powerful as Microsoft make that pledge if they uh, haven't calculated already in advance if they, they, can... if they didn't know that the chances to reach this goal are very very high um i don't think they were kind of but he, he actually said it himself mark he said you know we are sure we can do it but it's not that we knew every single step until we we know how to start it we have i don't know a certain percentage of idea what the way is to go but the rest will just figure it out and that's even though they must kind of know that they will do it um because they have many many resources to put behind that don't forget it even though they know that at some point just because they're so big and powerful they can do it um it's still a brave thing to do it um you know you know what i mean I no, I, I, I think it's really great because it's yeah. even just the thought of trying to make a difference already makes a difference. And uh, even if you might not achieve it 100% along the way, you have made so much progress, which hopefully inspired more generations. Yeah. Like you said, what it's really great that they inspired this new, entire new industry, which is renewable energy, which is great because this is what's going to help the generations to come. Further than that, um, 
to all of you punks and listeners out there, um, if you're listening to this episode before the 20th, um, which is before Joe Biden is going to be um, officially the president, no, we're not inviting you for the presidential uh, ball. However, um, Susanna and Mark and a couple of other people are coming together to do a live question and answer, and um, they will be delighted to have some of you fellow punks there so you can ask your questions and yeah if you listen to this podcast can you ask him about that cable to going to space this is just it's gonna be quite random but um yeah um we're gonna share the link um you will find the link in the description and uh, as well on the post um so we hope to see you guys there as well and then some self-marketing as well 27th of jan gaia x kickoff summit um tim do we have some highlights already yeah, we have the uh, <laughs> we have the Open Compute Foundation. We have IBM. We have SAP. We have one on one. We have OVH Cloud. Okay, that's why I'm going to stop him. Anyways, 27th of Jan, the registration's already up. Um, you go to Cloud Expo Europe slash GaiaX, uh, or you just check on mine and Tim's profile. Um, you will find it there as well. And um, the only the only issue we're running in with this one with the guy X one, and we're going to put this down in the open is that we have limited space, unfortunately. And guys really need to. And we're already eighty percent full. So if you really want to get a slot, um, please try try to register in the next days because um, otherwise we're gonna we're gonna pick if we like your name or not. No, I'm just joking, but um, that's something that we would do, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it will be based on who is. Um, how sustainable are you? This is what you need to submit. Anyways, um, follow us on <laughs> follow us on um, Uptown Punks official on LinkedIn, and don't forget to subscribe on on Spotify, oh, Google Podcast, Apple Music, uh, and 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 all the other and all the other things. And <laughs> if you want them, <laughs> so um, we hope you guys have a positive mindset wherever you are in the world. Um, we know it's really tough for a lot of us because we're going through lockdown at the moment. So we hope we're giving you a little bit of comfort and a great smile. We're saying always stay a punk, always stay positive, and bloody hell, please don't test negative. Uh, no, positive. Oh, God, that was a mess, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you guys take care, and thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye, guys. Cheers. Cheers.